Okay. Uh, welcome everyone to Big Tent USA. Big Tent USA is a national women-led pro-democracy advocacy organization promoting civic engagement through education and activism. With the midterms just weeks away, we have a busy fall at Big Tent. Our events for the rest of September include two more daytime tent talks focusing on key Southern states, Georgia and North Carolina. Tuesday, September 20th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Fair Fights Executive Director Cianti Stewart-Reed will update us on voting and voter engagement in Georgia. On Tuesday, September 27th at noon Eastern Time, Kate Fellman, Executive Director and Founder of You Can Vote North Carolina, will make her first Big Tent, uh, Big Tent appearance. So I hope you can join us. Lastly, David Pepper, author of Laboratories of Autocracy, will be joining us on Wednesday, September 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you register, one of the first 50 registrants, and you want a free copy of David's book, please, um, please add that to your, to your registration. And if you want to write letters to voters in key states, um, Georgia and North Carolina to name two, please click on the link in the chat. And with that, let's get started. I am truly honored to welcome Cecile Richards to Big Tent. Cecile really does need no introduction, but just so everyone knows of her many accomplishments, she is the co-chair of American Bridge 21st Century, co-founder of Supermajority, and the former president of Planned Parenthood. She is a national leader for women's rights and social and economic justice. As pre president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America, and Planned Parenthood Action Fund for more than a decade, Richards has worked to increase affordable access to reproductive health care and strengthen the movement for sexual and reproductive rights. So please put your questions in the chat for Cecile. And Cecile, welcome to Big Tent. Thank you so much, Kitty. It's um, great to be with you. And it's like so many friends, I see like Sue Mandel, who was such a partner when I, all my years at Planned Parenthood and others. And I see in the chat, someone said, David Pepper's book is amazing. And it is. So please like get it and see it. Looks like you've got a great roster of folks um, coming up. Um, I, uh, I'm thrilled to be here because this is a moment in which we can still make a huge impact, um, not only in the future of the country, but certainly in the midterm elections. And so I look forward to the conversation. I, I recently returned from Texas where I'm from, but don't live, all my family's there. And I will say the topic that we're talking about tonight, the Dobbs decision and sort of what the result has been, uh, it's really horrifying to be in a state. Maybe I think some of my friends from Texas maybe even on tonight, um, but the fear uh, among patients, um, among healthcare providers, uh, the, the entire um, bounty system that's in place now where you really can't ask anyone for help uh, in the state of Texas for fear of being turned into the authorities. Uh, is causing a desperate situation. I just was with a doctor in Houston, an abortion provider in Houston, uh, and the the uh, misinformation and the lack of good information that patients are getting is is deep and profound. Um, you certainly, I talked to doctors in El Paso about women showing up who are miscarrying, who've been turned away from the hospitals, showing up at Planned Parenthood, because in a, in this sort of environment of fear and now criminality, because um, of course um, abortion has now been criminalized for doctors who face up to a hundred thousand uh, dollars fine, or I'm sorry, a minimum hundred thousand dollars fine and up to a life imprisonment. Uh, it's hard to overstate 
just how terrifying it is. And of course, Texas was just the beginning and we're beginning to see these abortion bans now rolled out um, in, in state after state. But I know what we're really gonna talk about tonight, I think, is how this is impacting voting and the attitudes of voters. And there's a lot to dig into there. So I'm eager to just you know open it up to things you wanna talk about and any, any questions folks have um, in the chat. Well, um, Cecile, we have a lot of questions for you. Uh, and I, I know we do wanna to pivot to polling and we do wanna to pivot to the midterms, but um, there were some questions um, when people registered just about, um, are there going, are we gonna get sort of any statistics um, from these states uh, soon about maternal outcomes, maternal health outcomes? Um, we recently saw, maybe it was yesterday, I can't remember, we're in such a lightning round <laughs> right now. Um, that Texas is not going to release any any data around maternal health before the midterms. Um, are we are we seeing anything? Are we hearing anything? Can we gather what's really happened to women in these states with full bans? We're now at fifteen states, I believe. Right. I, no, I mean, I think I hate to say this, but I feel like the same states that are um, banning abortion, of course, um, have some of the worst records on not only, you know, um, uh, child access to children's access to health care, maternal mortality rates, particularly among black women, Texas rates in the highest. In fact, uh, part of what I was doing in Texas was spending time with Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor there. And he's talking about this uh, everywhere, the, the horrific, um, the horrific rates of maternal mortality. I don't think that is something you're going to be hearing a lot from uh, the state of Texas, but I do think we are going, of course, we're beginning to see now, um, if not the statistics, the real life impact of what it means to ban uh, all safe and legal abortion. We saw the case out of Ohio. We had a woman in Texas, a young woman at 26, put in jail for having allegedly attempted to uh, terminate a pregnancy on her own. Um, I, I mean, I could go through the story. So I think we are gonna have a lot of anecdotal evidence that proves what we all really know. Anyone who's been working in the area of women's health, which is making abortion illegal, doesn't make it, their abortion go away. It simply makes it go underground and become unsafe. Uh, we do know, uh, if not from statistics from the state, certainly that the from the patients that are um, calling and from the patients who's been been turned away, the abortion ban in Texas is having a disproportionate impact, clearly of uh, people with low incomes, but women who live in rural areas, young people, teenagers who literally have no one to talk to and no one to turn to black and brown women uh, in the state of Texas. These are these are the folks who already have the least access to health care, including maternal health care. And they are the ones uh, whom historically abortion bans have hurt the heart, have hit the hardest. And that's going to um, continue to be true. There was a I know there's so many things we could refer to. The news every day is full of something, but it's really interesting. Um, there was a piece there was a piece the other day that the Brookings Institute really correlated that you know, states that have the uh, most aggressive efforts to ban abortion or have banned abortion also have some of the lowest rates of investment in uh, prenatal care, postnatal care, coverage for new moms, uh, and all the pieces that sort of go with um, this attitude, which is, you know, to women, you're on your own. Yeah. You know, we had, um, and I, Vanessa, will you put the link in the chat to Plan A? Um, we had Carolyn Weinberg who, Weinberger, who founded Plan A, which is a mobile health van truck that goes around the Mississippi Delta. And she's trying to expand 
anyways, one of the things she said about Mississippi, which I think, uh, you know, made a lot of our hair light on fire. Um, she came yesterday to a tent talk was that a, a pregnant woman in Mississippi can get Medicaid for two months, but once she's two months postpartum, they throw her off. So this idea oh. of like caring so much for, you know, the, the unborn or the, it, it's just such a farce. Well, and, and I would just, yeah, just to kind of like draw that out a little bit. It's not only that, that you only get two months of maternity care uh, or, you know, post postpartum care, but the same legislature that voted for the abortion ban that was now, you know, that just went to the Supreme Court also voted down a proposal to expand that to a year coverage for new moms in Mississippi. So um, I think folks are on record as being um, absolutely want to prevent people from getting access to the healthcare that they need and then doing nothing to help support um, women or very, very little, certainly in the state of Mississippi, certainly in the state of Texas, uh, to support new moms when they've had these kids. Do you see any polling that could um, motivate voters just around these stories, these you know anecdotal stories, but also this idea that these states that have bans or partial bans or almost bans also just really kick women who just had a baby to the curb, basically? Do you Have know you anything I, around that? Well, not on that specifically, but I'll tell you something that I think is interesting. There was just a poll released, um, national poll. I don't think it went public, but I, I think I can share it. And that is that the, uh, one of the things I think we, sorry, I should back up. One of the things that I have been, you know, um, kind of hair on fire about is making sure that people understand what's happening what the results are and who did it to them, right? That there's a, there's, these things are connected. This didn't just drop out of the sky out of the Supreme Court. This poll showed that I think 85% of Americans understand that Roe versus Wade was overturned and they have a pretty good idea of what is happening in their state. That is a, to be honest, having done politics all my life and organizing, that is a much higher rate of understanding that I would have would have estimated. And so the interesting thing is that I think, look, we can talk about Kansas a bit, what happened there, what's happening in other states. Folks are not confused. And in fact, there was very little confusion in this poll as well on who was voting for these bans and who was pushing these bans. And so in an interesting way, of course, the stories that are going to continue to come out will um, I think just keep this issue in front of voters, both both the individual stories and as more states like West Virginia ban abortion, this story is going to continue to live on. But already voters in America, they're very, very clear about what's happening and very clear that they're unhappy about it. Oh, you're muted or Kitty, I can't hear you. Sorry, I have two dogs in this room and they're chewing on bones. Okay. <laughs> like I got a mute. All the dogs are around tonight. I know I mean, we all have the dogs. <laughs> you can't you can't make up how loud they are. But anyways, um, I I that's very encouraging that voters are able to parse out, you know, who did this to women in their states and then the impact that that's really having in real time. Um, before we get going into like this major shift that we seem to be experiencing, I just want to um circle back to you about. I have had a couple conversations with people, maybe other people have who are attending tonight. Maybe you have too, Cecile, where people are like, oh, well, you know, you know, women who are in these states where it's banned, they could just go to states that are, you know, abortion safe havens. And I know 
There's really good effort by governors and state legislatures to become abortion safe havens. But uh, can you just talk about that reality? And is that an is that an answer to what what we're living through right now for these women in these states where it's banned? Is that is that a good answer? I mean, I mean it's it's a possibility for some people, but for many, many women, it's not possible. Even before Texas, so I'll just keep using, I'm beating on, up on my, my home state of Texas, even before the full criminalization, and there was a six-week ban, I mean, we were seeing women come in who had never been out of the state of Texas, um, who were then having to leave the state in order to access safe and legal abortion. There were women uh, I talked to, again, doctors in El Paso, where they have patients coming in who had to go to New Mexico to access safe and legal abortion. But because of their, their immigration status, you have to pass through a border checkpoint. They couldn't do that. Folks showing up with their entire family, piled in a car, driving outside of the state to places they've never been before. So it's I don't think it's realistic, um, and particularly because of the it's it's and now of course it's criminalized so anything that you do to help someone find abortion access um and i'm not a lawyer so i don't want i won't if if someone puts legal questions in the chat i won't be able to answer them but to say that there's sort of a blackout on information in the state of texas i don't think is an an overstatement um uh or an understatement or which whichever whichever it would be um and of course if you're a young person, or if you're a person who's not living in a situation where you have a support network, um, it can be really hard to figure out how to navigate on, on your own. We are seeing, of course, an incredible spike in uh, people going online to find out about abortion pills and getting ordering abortion pills, either overseas or through other providers, and folks are doing a very good job of providing information, but it's not uncomplicated. Um, and then the only other thing I would say, which is I know that that whoever said that was not, you know, being, you know, sort of sanguine about our situation, as we just saw Rand Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, they all run together. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lindsey Graham yesterday, um, you know, his, his plan uh, to introduce a national abortion ban. I, I just will tell you, this is not going to stop with, um, this is not a state's rights issue for the folks who are passing abortion bans. They were not going to stop until there was a national abortion ban passed. And so no, so matter how strong our laws are in New York or Connecticut or California or Illinois or wherever you might, might be, um, that isn't going to help uh, if we have a national abortion ban and certainly not with the Supreme Court. So anyway, there's a lot more I could say about that, but it is, again, Although, let me tell you one, actually, this is a story, this was literally from last week. When we think about, because I know there's a lot of conversation, well, if you're wealthy or you're X, Y, and Z, you know, you'll still be able to access abortion. Um, I was talking to a mother um, whose daughter had an ectopic pregnancy recently before the Dobbs decision came down. And so she was able to take care of it. They live in Dallas, Texas. They have plenty of resources. She's terrified now because her daughter is trying to get pregnant again. And she's terrified if this happens again, will they be able to get her out of the state? Will they be able to get her care? And so I think the thing that is important is that this these abortion bans, they fall disproportionately on different groups of people without a doubt, but they are for everyone. And so these are everyone's fights, I think. And that's important 
for us all to all to remember. Yeah, I mean, because there's an emergency that can happen with that kind of a pregnancy, right? 100%. Or many of them, and you know, you, you can't get in a car and drive. So um, that's a really good thing to remind everybody of. Um, okay, so let's shift to polling um, after SBA, before Dobbs, because I know that you did, um, American Bridge did some really great polling after SBA. And for those of you who can't remember that infamous, horrible, heinous bill that was passed in Texas, that's what SBA is, um, because you found some interesting results. And now we've seen uh, like that expanded even more. So could you just talk a little bit about that polling versus what you're seeing now? And then sure. I'd love to have you um, talk to us about you know what Kansas has shown us, maybe around messaging um, and maybe some of these early elections that we saw um, where Democrats did better than expected. Sure. Well, we did, I mean, early on back in the fall, um, last fall, we did a big polling project with Emily's List and with Planned Parenthood because, I mean, based on the Supreme Court argument, it was pretty clear that this was not going to be a great outcome. And it was interesting, the two things, I mean, the two big pieces of data to me that were important, one was 71% of voters said they would be more likely to support a Democrat who supported leaving decisions about pregnancy up to um, the person uh, versus a Republican who wanted to ban abortion. So we knew that it was really unpopular. But the other thing we found, Kitty, is that people still didn't really believe it was going to happen. It was, there was just this, yeah, but... And I, you know, that to me, it, it, but it helped us in terms of just like understanding sort of where the electorate was at and being ready to make sure that people actually did understand if in fact um, Roe was overturned and abortion bans started taking place. Um, and that's why we focused a lot on women um, in battleground states and in states where we have critical Senate and gubernatorial races. And again, that's what we're seeing uh, is it's, People are very aware, and of course, just by kind of how the the uh, dominoes have fallen here, I think we have some very very strong candidates um, who are running on the issue of abortion rights and on the importance of people having the freedom to make their own decisions, and we have some other folks, opponents of abortion rights, who are as extreme as any cast of characters I've ever seen, and so. I think in a way, because one of the things is, you know, Kansas, which I'd love to talk about a second, because there's some new data that just came out that is, I think, really interesting. I think it just came out today. Um, but that was a straight up or down vote on that ballot initiative, right? That was really like, what do you want to happen in your state? Most of these races, with the exception of the state of Michigan, where um, we'll have a ballot initiative there too, a lot of these states voters still need to understand where their candidates stand on this issue. And that, so I think there's still a lot of education that has to happen. And, you know, what is that Delta between the people who are adamantly um, opposed to uh, banning safe and legal abortion and understand and, and understanding um, pick your favorite candidate that that's actually their position and what they would do if they were elected. I hope that makes sense. Oh, all right. Yeah, I know that the dogs, dogs aren't bothering um, us. That's yeah, okay. 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 Um, but let's talk about Kansas for a minute because there yep. was some confusion. First of all, it was a very weirdly worded. The yes meant no, and the no meant yes. And then there was some some Republican group kind of called people and said, "Oh, if you vote 
yes, then it doesn't. I mean, there was yeah. some confusion and voters seem to be able to like get it and and stay on target and and get the job done. So yeah, we I'd love to hear more. I'm, I know everyone on this call would love to hear more about Kansas and what you've learned. Well, I think it's, um, and, and American Bridge invested in Kansas, so did a lot of people. And I think it was, it was obviously, we saw this as in a really important um, sort of bellwether on where it was the first real vote on this issue since post Dobbs. When you talk about the confusion, I guess the two pieces, I, the piece of information that people probably already have, but I think are important. One is, I mean, the, the, the Republicans put this on the ballot at a time they thought would be the lowest possible voter turnout. It was a primary election in the middle of like or the early part of August where um, usually there was very, very low turnout and very, you know, a lot of people are on vacation. It's like before school's back in all the things. And that actually did not work. In fact, we had like, like record turnout in, in Kansas. The wording of the ballot, I mean, all these ballot initiatives are sometimes confusing, but I guess what I would say is Obviously, the people who wanted to um, pass to um, have uh, the ability to pass an abortion ban figured out from their own polling that this was going down. And so the confusion that was sown was actually by folks who were trying to just confuse people on how to vote. And they told them uh, that voting no would, in fact, be, you know, supporting no abortion ban. So it was I mean, that was just your classic bait and switch kind of effort and it and you're right it it didn't work i think though the the interesting thing and you may have some more specific questions and maybe folks on this call i mean there's so much still to learn obviously that that the big takeaway was we won that ballot initiative by almost 20 points in a race that an election that people thought was going to be very close i mean folks were definitely biting their nails the, the night before about how this was going to go um and the turnout was incredibly high. 20% of the voters in that election didn't vote on anything else but the ballot initiative. Um, and they're just now, uh, Tom Bonner just came out with Target from Target Smart, the data today. Some of you guys may have seen this, but I thought it was fascinating. Um, it was, it, hold on, I'm just gonna pull it out because uh, I wrote all, I wrote the points I thought were most interesting. 56% of the voters in the Kansas um, election were women. Huge, huge gender gap in terms of turnout. 51% um, of the voters were Republicans. So you could do the math there. That means there were a lot of Republican voters who voted to make, to make sure that abortion was still safe and legal. And the other piece that I, again, just really stood out and um, because we're kind of, this is something I'm looking at around the country, is that young voters surged in terms of turnout. So in 2018, uh, the young vote was 14%. In this election, it was 21%. That's a third more. And those, and we, I know I just saw data when I was in Texas last week about the surge of voter registration of young people in Harris County, the largest county um, in the state. So I think that looking at, you know, independence of Republicans, where women are surging in terms of voter registration and certainly the salience of this issue with young people, I think these are all factors that are kind of unusual in a midterm election where, you know, usually there are a lot of folks who don't go and vote. 
Yeah, I mean, it sure sounds like that. Um, Vanessa, I, I don't know if everyone saw this, but there was actually, I hate to promote the Wall Street Journal, but I'm gonna do it, but there was a very good piece um, that had some really interesting um, data around um, just the polling on abortion pre and post jobs. And I thought one of the things that was so striking, Cecile, was that it's even support for abortion is even shifted like six points among Republicans, which yeah. is a really fascinating thing. Anyway, so I mean, but take a look at that. That's a that's an interesting poll. Um, one thing we had talked about um, when we met beforehand is to sort of do a test case around what you're seeing um, in terms of how Democratic candidates are messaging on abortion. And we had brought up Pennsylvania. We all know Pennsylvania is such an important state, um, not only to protect a woman's right to reproductive freedom, but also just to make sure the democracy stands. So could you talk to us a little about what you're seeing from Democratic candidates in um, Pennsylvania? We'd love to hear. Well, I think what we're seeing in Pennsylvania is not that different than what we're seeing uh, around the country, which is this is what candidates are putting paid advertising behind. I mean, there's nothing that's a better indicator of where this issue is landing than how candidates choose to use their money. So whether it's um, Josh Shapiro, who's in a very, very competitive and important race for governor, um, John Fetterman in, in a potential pickup uh, Senate seat uh, for the United States Senate, the, this is where they're lead, leading. And that's true really kind of everywhere. Um, we just did actually some polling with American Bridge in Western Pennsylvania, which, as you know, is like a much more conservative area of the of the state. It's an area that Trump uh, won pretty pretty handily, and it was really fascinating how this issue, particularly with uh, voters who don't always vote, who are sort of less engaged. And women who are um, who really swing, this issue is wildly um, animating, and and I don't think it's only like I know that historically we talk about you know suburban women, and maybe there is sort of an image we have in our mind of what a suburban woman um, is like. Of course, the suburbs are much more racially diverse and economically diverse than than uh, ever before, but these include a lot of women who are. Um, I don't think they would consider, you know, describe themselves as suburban women. They may live in small towns. Uh, these are working class women. These are women who are trying to make it, make it um, in this economy, uh, raising kids. And the thought that someone would take away their ability to make a decision about how many kids they were going to have and when they're going to have them is an anathema. And I just, so I think that in general, both in Pennsylvania, what we're seeing, and, and also in some of the other key states, is this issue of um, overturning Roe is both animating for our base voters, people who, you know, because obviously this election is going to be about turnout, but it is also an incredible persuasion argument. It's, it's really kind of a one-two punch um, for people who they just don't think this should be a political issue. And I think that was, if I would say one overarching word about, you know, from focus groups and from our own research, it is about freedom. And this thought that you need to have the freedom to make your own decisions. It's not about how you feel about abortion. 
people have all kinds of feelings about abortion because it's a very personal issue. The question is, should government be making this decision? And frankly, um, people don't believe they should be. And that is, I do think this is going to drive, drive turnout. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do to educate people about where the candidates stand, but it is a very motivating issue. So it sounds like um, Sue Mandel has asked this question, um, which I think addresses what you're just saying. So Kansas voters voted on a referendum on an amendment to their constitution, mm -hmm. but is there a way to educate those voters that ca the candidates that they elect will have a huge impact on this issue as well? Do you see a through line for these voters? Do you, do you yeah, it sounds like they're getting it, but. That's exactly what we've been polling about. And that I think is exact, that's the Delta question is, I think it's very clear in these, sorry, I think I've been talking too much. It's gonna like start choking. Um, it's very clear in these gubernatorial races um, because that's what frankly the Republican party has said is that this is a state's issue. And you have Republicans running for governor who said they're going to ban all abortions. And people are looking at the states next door to them and seeing that it actually happened. So it's no longer a theoretical issue. Um, you know, reporters used to always say, or actually even now reporters will say, well, this has never been a voting issue before. Why would it be a voting issue now? Even though I don't agree with that, but um, it's because it actually now, because people thought actually it was a constitutional right. And for 50 years it was. So when some of us would say, yeah, but they're trying to take that right away, people go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we still have that right. Now we don't. I mean, now it is very clear to people. This is not, this is no longer a theoretical argument about where you stand. And so I think in the gubernatorial races, it is absolutely popping. And, but now in the United States Senate races, all, you know, again, it's very clear uh, that there are many Republicans um, in the, the, the United States Senate who are excited and eager to introduce an abortion ban. Um, we can all debate what the theory was behind um, Lindsey Graham's uh, sort of uh, trial balloon yesterday, but I, I think that, I guess my, I'm not saying that it wasn't all like, well, you know, that they didn't orchestrate the whole thing, but I would say anytime that we are talking about abortion in this, in this election, um, that's our territory. That is our territory because it brings, Democrats are very clear. Democrats are very clear on this issue. Um, and, but there are independent voters and Republican voters who do not believe uh, what the Republican party stands for. Um, can you, question? yeah. Well, I, 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 questions come from Lauren Gray that, um, is there any polling data on how the, um, you know, the overturning of Roe is polling with Spanish and Latino populations? Um, you know, some tend to be more Catholic, um, but anyways, we've, we've, Democrats have lost ground with, as we know, as with Latino and um, Spanish voters. So any polling right. around that? I was just trying to look, but I can't find it. Um, I'm sorry, is that Lauren that asked that? Yeah. Because there was some interesting data of the surge in uh, Latino turnout in uh, actually in Kansas. Um, fascinating, uh, but I can't, I don't think I can, I don't think I can find it right now. Um, actually, and I don't, so I don't want to, and I don't want to uh, say any yeah. statistics that aren't accurate, but this is, um, this is not an issue in general 
where Latino voters are different from the rest of this country. There is, in the polling I've seen, it is a more salient issue for Latinas, for women, um, uh, Hispanic women. And I'm that may you know relate to the fact that they they are full aware what it means to uh, raise a family and the responsibilities and the economic uh, responsibilities. So I don't think there just is not any Lauren. Maybe this is too too. I don't want to be glib about it, but there is absolutely no evidence that talking about the difference between of where we stand and where at least the Republican leadership. Not I'm not saying Republicans, but the Republican leadership and candidates stand. This is, um, there is no reason not to be on total offense on this issue. And um, and look, who knows what's gonna happen in this election, but it, it has dealt with two issues we had, intensity uh, and persuasion. Right, right. People are very fired up and scared, frankly, yeah. And yes. I don't know if you, I don't know if you um, I heard just, I, I think it was Dave Wasserman had said that, you know, the the attempt by very extreme candidates to sort of like scrub their websites of all mention um he had mentioned there's like a right to life checklist that republican candidates have to fill out when they are running in primaries and he said i mean i i hope this is true that democrats democratic candidates are actually like pulling those checklists and using them which Made right. me so happy. <laughs> no, exactly. This is, I mean, we didn't get here by chance. This is, and and again, I, you know, if we have any Republicans on this call, I'm so happy and grateful because this is not a partisan issue for most people. And in fact, you know, mainstream Republicans, look, you know, go back in the, you know, the old Bush family, you know, started Planned Parenthoods, you know, this, like, there is a strong, long history of Republicans in this country believing in personal freedom um, from government intrusion. And so this, this was actually, this happened, obviously, because the most extreme wing of the Republican Party has now created a litmus test over this issue. And they have frankly, gaining control of the apparatus. And you're right. I mean, I know Blake Masters and Arizona, obviously a very critical Senate race, was, you know, completely uh, washing off his his website. But, the, but we have the receipts. And one of the things that American Bridge did, which I just think was brilliant um, back a few months ago, as we were headed into the Dobbs decision, is they launched reprofiles.com which is a one-stop shop where you can actually see um, in print what the candidates have said on this issue. And th- that just exists. And I mean, I, in fact, when I, whenever I'm, I, I use it myself when I'm going on and talking about any particular race, these candidates have a record. If not a voting record, they have a proud record of saying that they want to ban all safe and legal abortion. And it is, um, I just think that, and that's why we're seeing again, Democratic candidates running uh, paid television ads because it is wildly um, unpopular. It's interesting. I mean, again, Texas, I know is like, um, I don't know. I just keep thinking we can win that state, but it was interesting Beto O'Rourke in this um, competitive race with Greg Abbott, the first three ads he ran on paid television were on Abbott's extremism on the issue of, of abortion and uh, people's right to make their own decisions. 
I mean, it would be amazing if he pulled that off. <laughs> it can happen. It can thanks happen for, for sure. <laughs> thanks for going down there, Cecile, and, and fighting the good fight, for sure. Um, uh, one question before we turn to sort of what is next for the anti-abortion movement, um, because as, as I think many of us are fired up and anxious, but anxious and fired up about um, protecting women around the country and their reproductive freedom, uh, the other side is also equally fired up. And I, I think one of the things that Big Tent prides itself in is trying to find that common ground. So I'd love to hear sort of what you think is sort of they're planning next. I mean, Lindsey Graham helped us out with that yesterday. Ms. McConnell did as well. But, you know, there's the personhood law issue. There's um, banning medical abortions. As you say, there, you know, you can't just take a pill. It is more complicated than that. Contraception is um, something that is freaking a lot of people out. So tell us where you see that going. And then um, would love to talk if talk to you a little bit about, is there a way to sort of try to come together uh, in some fashion to move forward from this issue? Sure. Well, one, two, I want to say that Nancy, thanks, Nancy, you pulled the, uh, the Latino voters. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was, yeah, that more yeah. turned out in the August primary election and the referendum on choice than it voted in any Kansas election ever, other than the presidential. Like, okay, oh. thank you. thanks for- Thank you, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that little quick on the on the spot research. Um, yeah. Well, first, I guess, yes, there are things that we can come together on as a country. I want to say abortion is one of those. And this is where I just want to, and then I'll move on to some other topics, but it's there are very few issues in the that that we talk about in the political realm that are that are agreed upon by 70 to 80 percent of Americans. And this is one of them. And so one of the things I like to try to like flip when because you know a lot of times you're on TV and they say like, you know, really controversial issue. And it's like actually it may be controversial in the political world, but it's not that controversial for everyday Americans. They actually feel like this is a personal issue that they need to be able that people need to be able to make decisions about. And they certainly believe that they need to be able to ask their doctor for their doctor's best advice. Uh, and that's another thing that of course I'm hearing from high-risk OBGYNs about who live in states like Texas, unable to actually even provide um, counseling to their patients. But uh, in any case, I do believe birth control will be next. Obviously I lived through 12 years at Planned Parenthood where the efforts um, of the Republican party to defund Planned Parenthood were constant and ongoing. Um, and the funding all went for birth control and other you know, women's health, health services. Uh, and there, you know, there have been, um, I, I won't go through chapter and verse, but there definitely have been um, efforts, you know, beginning efforts, not successful yet, uh, to ban access to certain forms of birth control that um, the right wing doesn't support. Uh, there are certainly people who've written about and are concerned about um, threats to IVF. Uh, we are now, I mean, there is a lot of conversation. I think there was just an article today, uh, again, about efforts to restrict people from leaving their state um, to be able to access safe and legal abortion in a state where it's, it, it is not prohibited. We're seeing efforts to um, uh, use prosecutors um, to look at people's search history. We can talk about that. Actually, in this poll I just saw, that was the number one concern is that now 
law enforcement and others would be able to go into your personal search history. So the whole this whole issue of freedom, freedom to be able to leave the state, freedom to be able to, you know, get information, uh, freedom to make decisions about pregnancy. These are ones I actually think are very majoritarian issues. And I believe certainly um, access to uh, affordable or no cost contraceptives is hugely popular. You know, there's been an effort for a long time now to get birth control over the counter. I certainly hope that happens. Uh, that's a huge piece of piece of this work. And I think it's important that we continue to be, you know, four square um, in, in, support of, in support of people having access to birth control, because in a lot of these states, it's very difficult. Um, and that's what I think, I mean, look, we saw, I don't, I don't remember the number of the vote, but Republicans in Congress were not willing to vote in the House, were not willing to vote um, to protect access to birth control. And, and this is one thing I know from Planned Parenthood, you know what's really popular? Birth control. And you know who really likes it? Women and men. Everybody likes birth control. This is just like, so that is a losing proposition to be against birth control. But I think that's where the, again, not the Republicans in general, but the extreme wing of the party, uh, that's where they're, that's where they're going. Yes. I mean, that vote was shocking. <laughs> well, I think part of the problem- Haven't you all used birth control? They've all used oh. birth control. Come on. Yes. And <laughs> yes. And all, and all the things. Um, no, it's- um, Anyway, yes, I think this is, I, so I think there are all kinds of common sense um, areas in which we can agree, but I, list, I guess my observation in Texas, because of course we'd already done, they had done almost everything to ban abortion. And then they came up with this bounty hunter system, right? So that people could be turned in for aiding and abetting anyone. And of course, even before Roe fell, that, that was the law of the land. So abortion was effectively uh, outlawed. And then I and I kept thinking, okay, at least we're done with this. But I, I think the problem is it's sort of like they now are in this box, which is once that's how you gin up your base, then you just have to keep going after other groups of people. So of course, then we saw in Texas, the governor start going after transgender kids uh, and their families. It is not, you can't keep your folks agitated um, if you win on this issue and then you say, well, now we're going to focus on things American people really care about, like jobs and infrastructure and climate change. Uh, so I think this is going to continue to be uh, it's catnip for the, for this party because they got to have something that they can keep getting people agitated about and go into the polls on. That's yeah. maybe cynical, but that's how I, that's what I think. No, I mean, it's bearing out for sure. Sorry. Um, a couple questions have come in. One is um, from Lorelai around executive orders that could provide new protections. Um, could could a governor potentially, you know, had some sort of like penalty where there's bad maternal health outcomes, they could penalize hospitals or, or could the federal government penalize a state where they're bad maternal health um, health outcomes. And then um, in addition to that, are you seeing any, um, is there any sort of movement since all these companies sort of came out against SB8? Let's go back to Texas again, SB8 in Texas. Is there, did that gain any traction for 
not for the legislators clearly or Greg Abbott, but for the voters of Texas, did they sort of say like, oh, like, you know, my company supports abortion rights, it supports my reproductive health care? Um, well, I guess on the first, I just, I want to say, I think this administration has taken this issue really seriously and is doing um, as much as they can. And I appreciate that they continue to raise this issue and talk about it and try to be creative. And I mean, I think the maybe I, again, this is just my point of view. This is a political issue that we have to win and we have to win it with the American people. And so we can do things and we must do things to make sure to take care of people who need access to abortion uh, in this country. And there's a lot of important work that's happening, but for purposes of um, sort of the long haul, we have to actually really spend as much time and resources on figuring out how we are turning out the millions and millions of people in this country who support safe and legal abortion access, because I just don't believe the Republican party is going to change until they begin to lose seats and lose elections. And maybe this midterm election is one of our first opportunities to send that message. Um, because otherwise we will, you know, this will become this ping pong game, right? Where we win, they win, they, you know, we win an election, then they win an election and everything changes back. Uh, in terms of executive action. So I just think it's important and why I love working with American Bridge and I love working with a lot of the folks on this call is we actually have to demonstrate that this is a losing proposition for the Republican party and it's going to cost them uh, not only seats this time, but I think frankly, their future, their future voters. I look at young people in this country and we just, you know, and we shared a little bit of statistics. Young people in this country just lost a right the rest of us have had for 50 years and no one even asked them. And I think I think the Republican Party is in, it's sort of in danger of losing a generation of young voters. Because it's obviously it's not just about abortion, it's about LGBTQ rights, it's about climate change, it's about issues that really animate young people. So I just believe we have to really focus on the politics here. Um, that's And so I appreciate what everyone is doing to try to like win these elections because we need, we need more. We need more examples like Kansas. We need people to actually. We need people to win gubernatorial races uh, because of their position on on um, safe and legal abortion. I think in terms of Texas, honestly, yes, there have been some companies that have been helpful and are doing some good things. I think people right now in Texas are completely focused on can they win uh, the governor's race? Can they win some swing congressional races? Um, this is what people are talking about because I don't think there's. You know, it's hard to overstate. And again, I'm sure my friends from some friends from Texas are probably on this call. It's hard to overstate uh, how how much fear uh, and anxiety and just um, uh, sort of desperation that people feel over what's happened. And I, you know, I think companies are doing some good things. Folks could do a lot more, but the most important thing we could do is to change who's in office. Cecile, I know you have to jump off a little bit early because you have another uh, event that you're doing right away. And um, so I wanted to, um, uh, and there's, you know, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, I just wanted to ask you a couple very quick questions. And then I'd like to um, 
bring your mother's um, spirit into our call, if possible, since that's the first thing that you and I spoke about when we got to meet. So first of all, um, tell us what you're reading right now. What do you recommend um, to everyone on this call to pick up and read besides Laboratories of Autocracy by David Pepper? Oh my God, I know. I mean, that is really, that's like such an embarrassing question because of course I'm like doing, I mean, reading for me right now, I'm reading World War II uh, espionage novels because I just have to have a break. I The stack of abortion books I have here that people have sent me is enormous. And at some point I'm going to get to it, but I'm just going to be honest with all of you. Um, I have, that is like the one place um, I go for like my, like turn my brain off for a second, but do read David Pepper's, do read uh, David Pepper's book. And maybe I'll think of something brilliant in a minute that I, that I've read recently. Actually though, can I, I also think... say something back to Deirdre? Yes, please do. Please do. Burn, cause, you, Cause um, sorry, Deirdre, I just happened to see her in, in chat about young people don't vote. I guess that's what I'm saying is young people will vote and can vote, but we can't take it for granted. And obviously a lot of states don't make it easy for young people to vote. That's why the Kansas numbers were so fascinating to me. That's why the numbers in Houston were interesting. I was just actually talking to Next Gen America, which of course does huge campus, um, has a huge campus program, probably the most comprehensive around the country. The number one issue on college campuses is abortion. Even though Next Gen was created as a, as a climate organization, obviously works on climate. Uh, so that's what they're talking to young voters about. So I don't think, um, I just, I'm really a big believer and we've got to invest in young people. We have got, because as we know, a young voter, if they vote this election and they vote the next election, they become lifelong voters. So we got to get them early. And I, 4 million young people turn 18 every single year. They are, to me, we just have to be like bringing them in. So sorry, that's, to, I had to get on my little young, young voters soapbox, but. Um, no, anyway. love it. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, okay, so we like to end on hopeful, hopeful notes. And um, if you have a good pod, do you have a good podcast you can tell us about that you're listening to? Um, is there a British espionage I, podcast that you're? No, I definitely don't listen. I never. I can't even figure out when people have time to listen to podcasts. Um, okay. But it, but in any case, I mean, I'm I'm all I'm all for them. I, listen, I will say about being hopeful. I am. I mean, look, all of the people on this call, if we weren't nutty optimists, we wouldn't be doing what we do, right? That's just, but I, I have been thinking about this a lot in terms of not just um, where we can win one more election. Um, I actually, I believe this backlash against women is happening because we have made so much progress. And some of that, you just can't put that genie back in the bottle. I mean, it's, um, when I look at, you know, and again, this is great Brookings. I should send that, I'll send it to Sue or to you. And just really interesting about what happened in the last 50 years with women. I mean, we got to finish school. We got to go to graduate school. Now the majority of law school students are women. I think 75 or 80% of OBGYNs are now women. It, the world completely changed. Um, and in large part, because women could control when and whether they had children, they could become economically you know, uh, sustaining and um, pursue a career. And so we are going through a bad period, 
Um, but I don't think that women or men or people in this country are going to sit by and let an entire generation be lost. So that gives me huge hope. And when I see these numbers, again, politics are hard, they're rough and tumble. Sometimes it's who's running. Sometimes it's like what the environment is. But what I'm seeing right now is an outpouring of energy. People we've been trying to convince for a long time that these issues matter. They're voting with their feet and saying that they do matter. So I actually feel hugely optimistic. We're not going to get the complete way there in, in this election, but I'm telling you, 2024, it's going to be a reckoning in this country. Um, and I think a lot of it is going to be about uh, these kinds of issues of personal freedom. And I appreciate you saying um, 2024 too, because uh, this is a long game, Cecile. I don't have to tell you that, but I you know, I know I'm guilty of like going to an election, be like, oh, I'm done, and, you know, and that's not how this works. And, and we all have to stay engaged, you know, for years to come, for years to come. And uh, I'm totally guilty of taking my foot off the pedal, but not anymore. I haven't, I'm not taking my foot off the pedal and you're a role model for me. So thank you so much. Um, okay, so uh, it, it just, this is a really great um, moment to just, um, bring your mother, Ann Richards, into this call, the memory of her, her spirit, um, because she is a woman who made amazing, an amazing mark on all of our lives. And um, so I just would love to end this call with you sort of, I wonder if you've thought about like, what would she say to you if she were alive oh right God. now in 2022? And what would she say to all of us? Like, could you leave us with a little and Richard's wisdom before we um, let you go and say goodbye. Well, I would say, look, um, she was she was not about the whining. So, you know, she was like, okay, this is our situation. Dust yourself off. We got to get back in the game. And so she was not one of these like kindly, oh, everything's going to be okay. She was like, we got to fight for what we believe in. Um, and she would be the first one in the streets right now. <laughs> so that I have have no doubt. But I, I guess I would say, and I know we have men on this call too, so I don't mean to exclude them at all. And in fact, look, look what's happening in this country. It's not just women who are upset. It's men as well. It's people who are saying, wait, I want a future for my daughters and my sons. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to st stay on, on the sidelines. But I think she just believes so much in the power of women. And I think the older she got, the more she actually, the more radical she got and the more she realized that there were so many efforts that were uh, you know, being made politically and otherwise to, to keep women down. And uh, so I think she would be energized. Um, and she would say, uh, I guess my big Ann Richards lessons are, this is the only life you have. This is it. There's no do-overs. So do it now. Um, don't wait for instructions. Don't wait to be asked. If you see something that needs doing, go start doing it. Um, and I just saw somebody in the in the chat was, you know, inviting other people in Texas to join her. And that's what this is about. This is not going to happen because someone's going to come and fix us. Uh, we're the ones we've been waiting for. And that's what Ann Richards would say. So thank you to Big Ten for doing what you're doing. Thanks for like just continuing to, to push the boulder uphill, um, all the work that we've got to do. I feel really jazzed about this midterm election. Um, we're not going to win everything, but we're going to make a huge difference. And it's because of folks like you. So thank you. Well, I mean, Cecile, thank you so much. We are so grateful for your time, for your energy, for everything that you do for women and girls and every American citizen. And, um, I'm just so, I'm so honored that I got to talk to you tonight. So 
Anyways, Thanks, Kate. everyone. Everyone, okay. thank you for coming. Check out our website. Join us for September. We got to get out the vote. We've got some serious midterm work to do. So put on the gas. Let's all follow in Ann Richard and Cecile Richard's footsteps. So thank you, everyone. Good night. Thanks, Kitty. Bye.